Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But it's not just any bay. It's a bay watch because this is a bay watch podcast. In fact, this is Bay Watch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And uh, Morgan, this is our season three finale. It is. I genuinely can't believe we have done three entire seasons of this show i i am honestly this is beyond anything i could have ever assumed for myself as far as success in life you know absolutely uh, you know i have a college degree but they didn't tell me this is what i get with it you know yeah suddenly makes all that student loan debt feel so much more worth it yeah i'm glad i uh, i'm glad this podcast allow me to pay off my student loan debt absolutely (laughs) right uh yeah it's been a wild three seasons i mean i think we could probably safely say this season was a lot better than last season uh oh yeah the bar was on average uh higher than a two so that's Mm -hmm. yeah that automatically sets it as better uh yeah i don't know if i liked i don't know if season one was better or this was better maybe this season was better uh yeah i was trying to think about that i i don't know i almost feel like i might prefer season one but i think some of that may have just been the novelty that season three rehashes a lot of concepts from season one and i just hadn't been exposed to them yet in season one so that was nice sure um i i do think there's something to be said though for the fact that now if we watch three seasons i like it's like oh here's my friend Baywatch, you know mm-hmm. and so i appreciate that a little bit because it is less novelty now to me you know Totally. Yeah, it is interesting to be able to sing along with the Baywatch theme song now, which is a skill that I'm going to be putting on my resume. Ooh. Uh, well, uh, my friend was like, hey, do you want to do you want to go to uh, Hawaii? And I was like, well, not really. And he said, well, good, because you need to know CPR. And I said, well, here's the thing. I know how not to do it. Thanks to Baywatch. So I have I real mean, life skills. That feels like you're at least 80 percent of the way there. Right. It's. You know, for every skill, you need to know how not to do it, and then you basically know how to do it. Exactly. I mean, listen, if you learn enough ways not to do something, eventually you will stumble upon the correct way to do it, just by process of elimination. Yeah, exactly. There's there's only, like, two ways to do anything. Exactly. Right. That's why multiple choice exists, because there's only two ways to do it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of multiple choice... A or B, was this episode good or not? You'll have to listen to this episode and find out. And what is that episode? Well, it's season three, episode 22, Fatal Exchange. And it was written by David Braff, no relation to Zach, and directed by Paul Cajero, who I guess this is the first episode he directed, but we've talked about him before. Have we run into a Paul Cajero episode before? No, but he's been the producer. Of, oh, okay. Yeah, that's why we've talked about him before. This is just the first time he's directed. Um, so, but he's been on the show, mm-hmm. and it was aired May tenth, nineteen ninety three. We have one guest star really to talk about. Morgan, would you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah. Uh, so Trevor Goddard uh, spent most of his career playing a wide array of Australians. Uh, he was in a couple of different punk bands for a bit there. 
Um, and the wildest thing about him is that he is not Australian, but did spend much of his career claiming to be. <laughs> um, which, I mean, I guess if you're gonna, you know, co-opt any nation's, uh, like, nationality, Australian, at least he's close-ish, you know? What? Um. I mean, yeah, they're all controlled by the Queen, I guess, technically. Yeah, he, um, yeah, which, you know, he is... He is actually a Brit, um, and the some of his more famous stuff, um, of course, uh, Kano in Mortal Kombat, which is oh, just such a the original, the ninety five yeah. one, by the way, not the not the new one, as he died in 03 of a drug overdose, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and you know, was in was in a fair amount of stuff. Was in. Uh, the remake of Gone in 60 Seconds as an uncredited role, which is always pretty great. Oh, yeah. Uh, Everybody know, love, loves uncredited roles. Love to have an uncredited role. Um, <laughs> his his biggest uh, TV role was probably on JAG, uh, which is not a show that I've seen, but I know was relatively popular. Um, and other than that, you know, lots of bit parts here and there. Never, never super blew up, but he was he was fun in this episode, so... I, I would have been curious to see what else he could have managed to do in his career if, you know, he had not died. Right. I'm looking at some of his um, some of his uh, credits here and uh, some of these movies, you know, when you when when I do the research normally for these things, I'm just shocked. But that I mean, there's a lot of movies that have been made in history. And uh, yeah. this is only like I'm looking at this one called She's Too Tall. Uh from 98 starring Brigitte Nielsen and Corey Feldman and it's just huh. it's about a tall fashion designer and I'm like sure wow you know we really got away with with everything as far as far as movies you know it makes it makes me uh it makes me think that we could probably write a movie and get it made oh definitely yeah I mean it would wow, just, yeah just be about us talking about Baywatch <laughs> it would be uh, our version of um come on come on what uh come on come on it's a it's a new movie that just came out i think last year or this year um starring joaquin phoenix uh who is basically like a podcast coast podcast host taking care of his nephew and it, it's supposed to be extremely good i have not yet seen it but is it a it comedy is or is it a drama no it's like a drama it's um the the nephew, his mom is like having some issues. So Joaquin takes him in and is like not good with kids at first, but they slowly kind of build this very loving relationship between the two of them. So it's, it's the, supposed to be incredible. It's the opposite of uh, was it Loquisha? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all learn something from podcasting. We all learn how to be better people. Or mm -hmm. or something. I, I I'm I'm not honestly sure what we're supposed to learn, but we have learned it. Uh, we definitely have. Speaking of learning, recently, very recently, um, a new show has come out called mm -hmm. Pam and Tommy, and it is mm -hmm. a show about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Uh, Morgan, uh, you were you able to watch any of the episodes of that? Yes, I watched the first episode of it. Oh, yeah. What did you think? 
I thought it was really, really good. Yeah. Um, I thought Seth Rogen, who plays one of the lead characters, was really good. I'm I'm excited to keep watching it for sure. And I, you sent me some uh, like clips of actually Tommy Lee and watching those, and then watching Sebastian Stan's performance. It is truly incredible how much he has nailed Tommy Lee. Yeah, like you know, if you see them side by side, you can tell who's who. Oh yeah, it is. It is very spot on. Yeah. Um, I, I forget the actress who plays uh, Pam in this uh, show. I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, her name is L- Lily James. She mm-hmm. she does a great job as well. I mean, I it was funny. I looked at her and immediately I thought, she's British, isn't she? And like I don't know how <laughs> I knew it, but I was like, she's British, isn't she? And she is. And... She nails Pam. She they they had to do all sorts of work to get her to look like Pam. So they had this like prosthetic forehead for her. Uh, there wow. she wears four wigs, like four layers of wigs, to get the right wow. uh, like you know hair volume. They had you know prosthetic breasts for her. They did all sorts of things, and she studied Pam like crazy. The unfortunate part is. Tommy Lee was like, yeah, go for it. Make the show. And Pam Anderson did not respond. Like, they asked her, and she mm. just refused to respond. So they they never really got her blessing. And the show is, if anything, about Pam more than it is about right. Tommy. Because, like, everyone comes out looking bad except for Pam. <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's kind of the point. Um, but it's really well acted. Uh, I'm. I just finished episode four yesterday, nice. uh, and I mean, so come episode three, they have some issues with how they discuss Baywatch. In that they they kind of treat Pam Anderson as someone who's less popular than she actually is, and mm. in that she would have actually had like even in season by 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 now the end of season three. You can tell that if Pam Anderson wanted, like, a line change, Pam Anderson could get a line change. Like, I feel oh, like. Oh, totally. Uh, you know, she's popular. And by 95, because this is aired 93, oh, yeah, Pam Anderson could get a line change, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So they treat it as, like, she can't do this, and you gotta even though, like, she's only popular enough to, like, go and, and meet the... Uh, the syndic go to the syndication meetings and and meet with the you know affiliates, but she's not an, a, a popular enough to like get a, a leading line, even though she's like the leading star next to David Hasselhoff. I thought that was kind of suspicious. So that part uh, it's a bit wrong, but everything else seems accurate. And uh, Seth Rogen plays his role really well, and it's all apparently true to form. Uh, it's mm-hmm. based on on books and interviews and such. And then I saw tonight before I while I was watching wrestling, TNT is now releasing as well a documentary about Pam and Tommy. <laughs> just interesting, just to cash in on everything because everyone wants yeah. to cash in on it all of a sudden. So, huh? It's I guess it's popular. Maybe it'll lead to a Baywatch resurgence. I don't. Who knows? I don't know. But the show is very good. And I recommend yeah. that I recommend that people watch it, especially because uh I I definitely am 
becoming more of a fan of Pam Anderson as a, you know, as uh, someone who really deserves a lot more credit than she she got. Um, but yeah, so that's one thing to talk about. Another thing to talk about is we recently posted on social media that M- Morgan's mom <laughs> uh, pranked me. Uh, she sent me a potato. And on this potato, it said, Baywatch Rookie School, the feud continues. And this just showed, I knew that Morgan's mom was going to send me something. Because Morgan asked mm-hmm. me, it was, remind me of your address. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, yeah, here it is. And just forgot about it. And then one day I get a package. And I'm like, I don't, I, I'm not expecting anything. And I see this thing. <laughs> and I, I thought, I, I have no clue what this is from. And then I, I realized oh, this must be from Morgan's mom. And I texted Morgan and I said, I'm afraid to open this thing because this box <laughs> looks so <laughs> ominous. I thought I was going to open it and something was going to pop out at me. <laughs> you know, I was so afraid and I was like holding it away from me. I was like shaking it. I'm like, oh no, like I don't know what's in this. And yeah. then I, I I looked at it and thought, okay, I'm going to look up this company, Anonymous Potato. Because I was like, that could be the name of, like, a Tim and Eric production company, you know, right? They would call a production company. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, Tim and Eric would call a production company Anonymous Potato, right? Like, I I don't know. That, the, yeah, I could see that. Right. Or, like, a, it's like a John Benjamin thing. I don't, I don't, I don't know. So yeah. then I realized what it is. So I open it up and I'm like, oh, it's a potato. And on the back, she taped a picture of David Hasselhoff to it, which was just amazing. Uh, and you can uh, well I mean your mom will hear this when she hears this thank you it made great mashed potatoes (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah Uh, and then Morgan uh, I sent your mom back something do you know what I sent your mom that is true yes I have received a a picture of the thing you sent oh please uh, which is a very large cutout of John Travolta's head from Greece. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I can I can tell you it was very well received. Uh, I uh, I wanted to get a full cardboard cutout of John Travolta from Greece. And then uh, I couldn't really find a great one. And then the other ones I was finding were too expensive. And then mm. I found that and I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's not too big. <laughs> it's not like a huge waste. It's not that expensive. Uh, and I was like, I knew I had to get this. And I'm glad. Absolutely. I'm glad your mom loved it. It's it, very much. Uh, and actually, sorry. What I mean is, I I, I hope she hated it. Uh, <laughs> boo, the feud continues. <laughs> I, I await your next move. Uh. I My favorite part of this has been that I have been the middle person relaying information between my mother and Michael, and at no point will either of them ever tell me what any of their plans are. <laughs> I just get to find out once the plans have already been executed. <laughs> That's the way it should be, honestly. I think it's way yeah. funnier for you to just not know at all what it is we're doing to each other. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hate it. Oh, I wish I wish this would end. Ah, curse you. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I mean, I say let's let's get into this episode. Let's talk about this fatal exchange. Yes, let's. let's do it. 
We open on a sepia tone sequence of someone kite surfing and then they fall in. So Mitch has to rescue them. And it looks like he does. Um, But then we realize it was only just a dream um, as Mitch wakes up in the middle of the night scared. Um, But then it's the next day. So Mitch is having a fancy romantic meal on the beach with Kay. He has set out a full table and wooden chairs and a tablecloth and wine and flowers. Like, that's what a restaurant is for, man. Yeah. Or your house. Not like windy beach. Exactly. I couldn't help but thinking that entire time, like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of eating on the beach in general, just because, like, I don't love sand in my food. I um, <laughs> it, get, it gets everywhere. It's so coarse and irritating. Um, <laughs> but if you're going to do it, like, you, you throw down a blanket and you have some sandwiches and a picnic basket. Like, this, I don't know, it just felt out of place. But the two of them are, are flirting a little and just having fun. Yeah, um, he says that the reason he was able to do this mm-hmm. is because the beach is his office and he's mm-hmm. been there for 20 years rather than it's a huge beach and no one is there and literally anyone could do it. Right. OK, um, I just I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page here. Yeah. No, it, I okay. mean, it was a little silly. Um but then we uh, then we get to meet our guest star of the episode, and that is Wiley Brown, the Australian. And him and Matt are on a scarab in the water, having some fun driving around. Um, but then, really, all all you need to know about Wiley is that Wiley is Australian, as Morgan said. Like, I mean, almost entirely that is his character. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but then we go back to the beach. Uh, where Mitch is telling Kay how hard it is to be a single parent. Oh, oh um, before that, before that, mm-hmm. let's get into some important Kay lore. Ooh. Uh, apparently, Kay hasn't been in this these this season because her newspaper she established in season two went under. And mm-hmm. like I, you know, I'm one to do when I lose my main source of income is to then spend more money going on excessive amounts of traveling, uh, which costs money. Uh, so she decided to, uh, to travel. And then from there, she, uh, started a novel mm-hmm. and then lost more money and then got back into freelancing and has maybe lost some more money. I'm really not sure how she's affording living. Uh, yeah. Now she's, now she's back in Venice Beach, a place that doesn't seem cheap. No, it doesn't. And yeah, <laughs> I don't feel like, you know, small, like local journalist at a small local paper is the kind of job where one can afford to, like, take an unpaid sabbatical for months. Uh, right. But it, what it do doesn't, I know? It doesn't. It doesn't pay like lifeguarding does, you know, <laughs> right? Exactly. But, but this is why Kay hasn't been around, which we, we've asked a few times, what happened to Kay? Mm-hmm. Because she was in the show and then she just disappeared. This is where she's been. But now now she gets to ask Mitch about Hobie. So, Morgan, tell us about how how is Hobie? Well, he is hitting puberty mm-hmm. and he is becoming a handful Um and it's just so hard being a single parent. Um, but he, then... Yeah, yeah. He he says, 
I think Hobie misses the strong female presence in his life, mm-hmm. um, which you wouldn't know it given the fact that Mitch is basically all he does is just bring women home. <laughs> Even Hobie comments on that later in the episode. Yeah, it, later in the episode, Hobie comments about it. And I have to remember that in season one, Mitch dated a few women for a few episodes that seemed pretty decent. And then just things just either didn't happen off screen or I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's just very Baywatch revisionist history. Mm-hmm. But after uh, after Mitch complains to Kay for a little bit, uh, we have seen in the background of this a woman and her dog on the beach and... Uh oh, that dog needs rescuing because it is caught in a riptide. So Mitch heads in to rescue it. Wiley and Matt are close enough nearby that they also see that this dog needs rescuing. So they head that way too. And Mitch rescues the woman who had gone in after her dog. And uh, Wiley lassos the dog because he's from Australia. Um, Which, like, um, what? Yeah, I, uh, what I, is what is what is the uh, the lassoing have to do with Australia? I mean, so I recently watched all three Crocodile Dundee movies. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I did. Um, I am pleased to report they are all terrible. Um, <laughs> I could have, I couldn't have known. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an extended transphobic sequence in the first movie that keeps reoccurring um, because it was the late 80s. Um, It was the 80s? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe the first one was 86 and the second was 88. And then the third one, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, was 2001. Yeah, I assume they were all around the 90s for some reason. They have a very 90s feel to them. Um, shit? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I will say quite a bit of lassoing in those movies. Weird. It's just not something I necessarily associate with uh, Australian culture, and that may be my ignorance. Uh, I guess so. Not knowing about the, you know, the old West times of, of Australia. <laughs> you know, I, back when, uh, you know... Uh, uh, the cowboys used to uh, r- ride the ride their horses across the, <laughs> the the inlet that separates the south to Australia, um, and then you know, I don't know, shoot some cane toads, and yeah. drink with some Aboriginals. I don't know what the cowboys do. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. Um, having watched all three Crocodile Dundee movies, I'm not sure I feel like I am any closer to understanding what cowboys do. Mostly because there were not any cowboys in, them, in those movies. <laughs> um, but after uh, Wiley brings the dog to shore, uh, Kay is getting some pictures of this oh, rescue and we Stephanie should, we should is add, into him. Yeah, we should add that Stephanie showed up for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, it's a dog. Yeah. Why is Stephanie here? Mitch is here. Yeah. Matt is there. Wiley is there. Hell, Kay could have saved this dog. Yeah, they, they full on, like, scrambled the troops for this dog. This is this is a revisit of, like, the uh, paper bag one where, like, oh, my God, everybody, mm-hmm. we gotta go save this thing, and it's just a paper bag. 
Like, yeah, it's just a, it, like, look, I don't hate dogs. I'm just saying it's yeah. just a dog. It's yeah. one dog. It's not needed. <laughs> yeah, they don't need the entire Baywatch lifeguard force to save one dog. Right. Um, now, now, as well, funny you should mention Crocodile Dundee. Stephanie mm-hmm. says Wiley is a cross between Mel Gibson and Crocodile Dundee. And I think that's because those are the only Australians I <laughs> can think of. Now, if this had been 10 years later, she may have said he's a cross between like Mel Gibson and Greg the Yellow Wiggle. But <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure. And that's what makes it funnier that Trevor Goddard is not Australian. Yes. As well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's truly amazing to me that he managed to pull off that grift for as long as he did of pretending to be Australian. I don't understand it, but I I do respect it a little bit. Yeah, I you know, I don't know if people could do that today, but yeah. back then probably could. Now, imagine if he was British and they said, yeah, he's a, a bit of a cross between uh, who are the two Brits we know? Uh, uh, the Queen and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Hugh Laurie. Uh, <laughs> the Queen. <laughs> Hugh Laurie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. What if it was like a, you know, a three way fusion of it's Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, and the Queen? Oh, boy. Oh, oh man. man. That would actually be kind of amazing. Yeah. Uh, and also would just be. Uh, a, a skit from a bit of Fry and Laurie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, after after this, we learn that Mitch is real jealous of Wiley because Wiley is getting all the attention and praise. And Stephanie thinks that this is because they're too similar. And Mitch says he's definitely not jealous, you guys. And we're not similar at all. Um, she calls him the last or the, uh, she she calls them together the last of the rugged individualists. Yeah, which is just, too smart for this show. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I I don't even know what she thinks that that means. Given like Eddie existed, I I, I right. he seems like an individualist. I mean, every single human being on the show. Seems like an individualist. Maybe Bar Hobie? I don't know. Yeah. Even Hobie. I, uh, I, I don't know. Like, the guy he fought and kicks? Pretty <laughs> individualist. A Jason, the kid in the wheelchair? Pretty rugged individualist. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of speaking of Wiley, the rugged individualist, we uh, go back to the headquarters after this. And he is being very charming, but uh-oh, he's a real fish out of water. He doesn't know that you can't wear a towel around. And when Summer tells him that he can't wear a towel around, he starts getting naked, um, which is not what she meant. Um, and he bums some change off Matt for a soda, and then Kay shows up, and oh boy, does... Ooh. Wiley have the hots for Kay. Um, so he hits on her for a while and Mitch shows up and is not happy about this. So then we move into the locker room where we learn there's a rattlesnake in Mitch's locker, which, uh oh, how did that which, get there? 
uh oh, it's not a euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Wiley comes in, and we learn that this this ain't no snake. This is Clementine, Wiley's pet. Um, and she she's not poisonous. I which promise. is true because no snakes are poisonous, but some are venomous. Okay, nerd. (laughs) (laughs) It just was really bothering me throughout the entire episode. I didn't know I started a podcast with a nerd. Otherwise, I would have not started this podcast. I'm going to argue that you absolutely knew that. You were starting a Baywatch podcast (laughs) in the year 2020. You have a fair point. (laughs) But yeah, after uh, this, uh, we learn that Kay's editor wants her to do a feature story on Wiley, which is literally just the plot of Crocodile Dundee, the first movie. Is that a, a plucky young female reporter is... Hired to do a feature oh, story on Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee. That's that's wild. I didn't. Well, now I'm, I'm learning the lore. It also did uh, in Crocodile Dundee. Did they give someone a giant boomerang? Uh, yes, I believe so. What? OK, because this comes out of no like, OK, I get Wiley's character is hi, I'm the Australian. Mm-hmm. But Stephanie shows up. And just has a giant fucking boomerang. It's like a real boomerang. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And it never comes up again. She doesn't even get to throw it. She's nope. just like, you know, no one's ever gotten me a boomerang before. That's what I've always <laughs> wanted. And you're just like, it's like she seems a little bit like really into this boomerang, but not emotionally enough to ever bring it up again. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly forgot about the boomerang because it doesn't come up for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I mean, normally when you introduce a boomerang, it comes right back. That's kind of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Chekhov's boomerang. <laughs> God. But yes, please tell us more about Kay and her non-boomerang related story. Absolutely. Um, yeah, after this, uh, Wiley and Mitch are chatting a little bit. And oh, no, 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 no. Actually... Before that, before that, we got to talk about it. Something. Sure. So the, you mentioned that the, she took pictures of Wiley saving this dog. Mm-hmm. And it got in front of the editor of Malibu magazine. They wanted to do a story about him. I actually looked up this magazine and it is real. And uh, they have articles like the take a sustainable luxury cruise to the Galapagos. Sure. Or an article lamenting that Ralph's supermarket became a chain across America. Yeah. Or everything we know about Malibu's RV problem, which is actually interesting because there's a legit one mile stretch of back to back RVs on, in, in near the beach on Malibu that takes up the entire shoulder lane. <clears throat> um, and you know what? Honestly, like who can blame them? <laughs> uh, right. But their their claim is that they're worried about the environmental impact of having so many RVs there. That but, seems reasonable. Yeah, but also, like, you own cars, so... Uh, Sure. Right, and I guess they're worried about, like, littering on the beach and such. Mm -hmm. But, like, you already are on the beach and litter, and I guess these are what the lifeguards are for. Um, 
And then two articles later, they had an article called Airbnb launches Barbie Malibu dream house. So hmm. like, you know, I feel like they're not fully, you know, interested in sustainable impact only when it happens to like, you know, people they don't want, you know, because they're, yeah. they're not in my backyarders mm-hmm. uh, because they, they want someone rich to come live in the Marby, the Barbie, ugh, Barbie <laughs> Malibu dream house. That's all pink, but mm-hmm. they don't want them living in an RV. So, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm absolutely not surprised to learn that there is some gentrification and nimbyism going on in Malibu. <laughs> right. Another interesting thing I found out about was they had a profile on a guy who's, um, I guess he's an actual lifeguard in Malibu, and hmm. they had a picture of him, and. I mean, honestly, his get-up and the car looks exactly like Baywatch. Oh. Uh, so, I mean, it seems incredibly accurate. Huh. Well, good so to know. Was, yeah. I mean, what do you know? This show may know something about lifeguarding. Yeah. Some, sure. Not CPR. <laughs> yeah. Not not a lot of things, honestly, but... No. Once in a while, they get some stuff right. Right. But yeah, after uh, after we learn about Kay's adventures into journalism at the new Malibu magazine, uh, we move on to a scene between Wiley and Mitch, where Wiley is like, you know, some guys would try and steal another man's Sheila, but that's not me. Um, and Mitch is like, we're not together. You can do whatever you want. Um, and Wiley is like, perfect. Then what I shall. How does he bring this up, Morgan? Um, oh, God, I forget exactly. I remember it's very weird and awkward, yeah, but I, so I don't remember how now. He starts by saying, hey, what do you Yanks call those little buggers that eat through wood? Right. And, yes. and, Mitch, and Mitch says, they're termites. He goes, well, they're white ants in Australia, which is true. Um, oh. They are called white ants. And uh, I also, uh, he also says, it also can mean someone who steals your girl. Yes. And so I'd like to quote from you Urban Dictionary. Sure. Um, uh, it says, uh, Australian, white ants a term for termites who eat out the foundations of your home. A mate who undermines your chance of scoring with a chick or achieving something else is said to be white anting you. Uh, hmm. In the example on Urban Dictionary, they the, the white ant is a guy named Wiley. Huh. Which, fitting, I guess. Yeah. I wonder if that's uh, a common Australian name or something. I'm I'm not super familiar. Uh, anybody listening to this podcast who's from Australia, let us know if Wiley is a common name in Australia. Yes. But Wiley says he's not a white ant. So he sure asks, isn't. Ask Mitch. And Mitch says, K is not his bird. So ominous Harry Potter music plays. <laughs> Yeah, the the music in this episode was really working over time. <laughs> they um, they got their money's worth. And by money's worth, I'm sh- purely talking about quantity, not quality. <laughs> yeah, they got their <laughs> cocaine worth. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But after this, uh, after Mitch says that it's okay for Wiley to flirt with Kay, um, we get to see exactly that. Because Wiley and Kay are walking on the beach and Wiley is flirting with her. And Mitch is on a tower nearby spying. And boy, oh boy, is he not happy about the fact 
that Wiley is flirting with Kay, but he is not willing to admit that. Um, so Stephanie drives up and sees Mitch doing this and is like, hey, this is fucking weird. Chill. Um, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is all normal and nothing's going on. Also, I've been having PTSD flashback dreams about a woman dying um, and her name was Sheila Gold. I um, chew uh, every time <laughs> it's some random woman named Gold. Every time. M- yeah. Mind you, we should add that this scene started with Wiley talking about kangaroos and then it yes. immediately cuts to an American flag and then pans down to Mitch. Mm-hmm. His episode is so nationalist. It's, it's very funny. Bananas. I, it's it's funny because it's not funny because there's really nothing there to it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, Morgan, I didn't really write a bunch of notes about it. Do you, Did you catch what Mitch did wrong? Yes. So... Uh, as Stephanie reminds him, the proper procedure. So basically, when he was rescuing this windsurfer in the dream sequence that we saw earlier, uh oh, it wasn't a dream sequence. It was a flashback to when Ooh. he was in Australia. <gasps> not um, Austria. Not Australia? Australia. You're telling me? Okay, <laughs> whoa, whoa. I know. It's a lot to process, so I'll give you a second. Oh, um, thank you. I appreciate it. But when he was in Australia and rescuing Sheila Gold, um, he she was unconscious by the time he got to her and the waves were really strong and they were underneath a pier. And as Stephanie reminds him, the proper thing to do uh, when your victim is unconscious and there are strong waves and you're under a pier is to make sure to use the victim's body as a shield to absorb the brunt of the impact. But Mitch just couldn't bring himself to do it. Uh, So he took the brunt of the impact and was knocked unconscious. And because of this, Sheila died. Um, And Mitch is definitely having PTSD flashbacks about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says that it's fine because up until recently, he was able to repress it so well that he couldn't even remember her name, which is definitely healthy and how you're supposed to deal with PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I see no problems with that. Nope, none at all. But uh, after this, um, we get to see Mitch driving around when all of a sudden he starts having the flashbacks again. But this time... <laughs> I like the idea that it's like the flashbacks or it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, he's, just, he's having an acid reflex. Oh, he's just having a, yeah. you know, a flashback. <laughs> um, but this time, the flashbacks are set to some weird shoegaze. Um, what? Oh, yeah. It's very just like dream poppy shoegaze, like very like ethereal kind of complex, weird shit. Um, I was actually kind of into it a little bit. Um, Interesting. That's not at all what we get. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Um Oh, yeah, describe the flashback a little bit, then we'll talk about the music. Yeah, I mean, basically the flashback is just more shots of him, you know, trying to rescue her, and he was too late, and she was dead, and he ended up on the beach with her, seeing that she's dead, and it's it's all just bad. It's bad, and Mitch is sad. Wow, that rhymes. <laughs> so, in the original, uh, there's there's two montages in this episode. And I only am able to find out what one of them is 
and I don't know which one is it. So ah. I'm assuming it's this uh, that has the Italian song Senza Una Donna Without a Woman by Zuccero and Paul Young. And I looked up this song, and at its peak, it was number four on the UK singles chart. Wow. And I checked when it first charted was uh, March 30th, 1991. At that time, the second uh, highest charting song was a song I'm going to need you to uh, look up the music video to. All right. Please, uh, YouTube, Hail and Pace and the Stonkers song, The Stonk. And then I'll tell you. You're going to love this song. I'm going to look it up, too. It's amazing. All right. I I kind of love this. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's incredibly catchy. It is. I'm enjoying the lyric, stick a red nose on your conk. <laughs> Let me know when you're done. Yeah, no, I've, I've finished. I mean, I haven't watched the whole song, but... No, that's fine. So this song is actually a, uh, it's part of, for it, it was released for a charity super group. Uh, so it was, it was for done for charity for a UK comic release uh, by comedians Halen Pace. And then they made up a fake dance craze called The Stonk. Hmm. And so the song was produced by Brian May. Oh. Uh, who performed on keyboards and guitar. Wow. And also on guitar was Nick Lowe. Then uh, David Gilmore, who's guitarist for wow. Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. Mommy Mommy, who's guitarist for Black Sabbath. Holy and shit. on bass was Neil Murray, who was a bassist for Black Sabbath. Then on drums was Roger Taylor, who's the drummer of, the, of Queen. And right. And Cozy Powell, who was the rum, drummer for Whitesnake, uh, Jeff Beck, Rainbow, Emerson Lake, and Palmer. Uh, wow. And then also Mr. Bean... Rowan Atkinson played drums as well for some reason. Sure. Uh, and it hit number one for one week and then dropped wow. number two. So that was that was the number two song when uh, Senza Una Donna was number four. Uh, I My favorite lyric of the song is, let's stomp to the rhythm of the honky tonk. Yeah, um, also very good. It's got real TC Tuggers vibes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Just big TC Tuggers vibes. Now, at that same time, number 18 on the chart was Do the Bartman by the city. Really? Which was down 11 spots from the prior week. Crazy. In fact, Do the Bartman's peak was number one. Wow. (coughs) Wild stuff. UK have crazy listening choices. I love it. No Uh, kidding. But anyways... In my version, this song is Runaway by Eric Larson. Not to be confused with the guitarist of Thunder Pussy, Eric Larson, who has <laughs> one S in his name, uh, nor uh, Swedish composer Eric Larson, who spells their Eric with a C and not a K, and died in 1986. No, this is a third more mysterious Eric with a K, Larson with two S's, who I could not uncover. <laughs> but, uh, Morgan, I would like you to read the lyrics to this short little ditty we got here. A two? Oh, actually, mm-hmm. wait, wait. Can you do your, your best, like, uh, try Eddie Vedder? Uh, all right. I was going to do Lil Nas X, but... Uh. Oh, I mean, actually, do whatever. I just thought this might be better with a gruffer voice, but do actually do whatever. All right. Took myself down the winding road, try to 
Forget where I came from, told myself I could leave it behind and walk toward the sun. I am a runaway, I tried to run away, I am a runaway, I tried to run away, I am a runaway, I am a runaway, I tried to run away, I am a runaway, I tried to run away. Honestly, that's might as well be the tune. I don't even remember. So <laughs> good job. Perfectly making that. Tune. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, give give yourself a pat on the back for three seasons of this. I know. Uh, three seasons of our probably one of our, our best recurring bits that no one has asked for. Uh, <laughs> but still makes me happy every time we do it. It yeah, it is genuinely a lot of fun. <laughs> Unlike Captain Thorpe. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, Thorpe talks to Stephanie. And Mitch, you know, very fairly does not want to talk to Captain Thorpe. Well, well hold on. We still haven't talked about the, the rest of the scene with the accident. Oh, no, we have not. After, as that song is playing, we see Mitch experiencing a bunch of flashbacks while he's driving. It makes people honk at him, and so he <laughs> do they, do has they to start driving. <laughs> I do wish they, they did. Do they, do they stonk to the tune of the honk? <laughs> uh, I wish they did. Did they put a red nose on their conk? Um, <laughs> um, this is way funnier than it really should <laughs> It's a dumb joke, but it's very funny. Um, But what what actually happens is that Mitch is driving along and then he starts heading down a hill and uh oh, his brake lines are broken. Um, So those brakes just are not working Um, and he's slamming on the brakes and it's just not doing anything. So instead of a million other things he could do, what he does instead is swerve wildly back and forth, hitting the embankments on either side of the road and spilling debris all over the place. Now, none of this slows him down, despite the fact that he's on a very mild incline or decline. Yeah. Um, and uh, what happens is that eventually, after we get many tense scenes of him slamming the brake pedal and also flashbacks, um, he notices that his truck is about to go off a cliff because he has lost the ability to steer. Um, (laughs) This sequence was very dumb. Yes. Um, So he ducks and rolls out of the car and it explodes in the biggest explosion that anyone has ever seen, uh, which is not how cars work. I was Um, like, what is what is he packing in that car? Right. Like just some like yellow cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, you know, he he ran down to Hector's place and he picked up some spoon engines. Um what is a spoon engine? Uh, it's a Fast and Furious reference. I've been watching all of the Fast and Furious movies. You no, know, I really I really should. I've been meaning to watch those. They are just, they are a lot of fun, I got to say. I've only watched the first one. I I've been watching them with my partner Sparkle and we're on the we just finished the fifth one the other day. Um, Wait. Okay. So I, I one time had someone drunkenly explain the plot 
every single one to me. Wow. Is the, uh, it, it, it was a barbecue. Don't worry. Sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, an, an appropriate that, setting, given how many barbecues and Fast and Furious movies. Wait, really? Yes. Oh, uh, well, uh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> they left that part out. Uh, is fifth the one where the dead guy comes back? Uh, he, well, he kind of comes back in the fourth one, too, if I remember correctly. But it's because it's because exactly what this sounded like. Yeah, the timeline, the timeline of the movies, if I remember correctly, is one, two, four, five, six, three, seven, eight, nine. Um, what? Yes. Well, because in three they go, it's none of the same characters, and it's in Tokyo. Um, right. And then when Justin Lin came in, he was like, "I would like to use Han from Tokyo Drift, but he is dead." Um, so I'm just gonna set four, five, and six before three, because why not? And then in seven, eight, and nine, he was like, I would like to keep using Han. So <laughs> Han's alive now. We've retconned okay. it. Um. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, so that make that makes more sense than the drunken explanation. <laughs> uh, because they, they, they forgot to mention that the director just wanted to use his character. Yes. Where does Starsky and Hutch No. No, not Starsky and Hutch. Hobbs and uh, Shaw? Yeah, that, whatever, you know, it's basically Starsky and Hutch in my mind, I don't know, whatever. It, yeah, I, you know. Um, does that fit in? Yeah, so Hobbs is The Rock, um, and he is a DEA agent, I believe. He just showed up for the first time in Five, yeah. um, and he's he's a very, you know, He's the rock. He's a big muscle man, and he doesn't yeah, take is, shit from anyone. What is uh, Hobbs' opinion on Joe Rogan? <laughs> I I don't think we know that, unfortunately. But knowing you the heard about you heard about the rock stuff. Oh, I didn't hear about the rock in relation to Joe Rogan. Oh, no. So you know what Joe Rogan recently happened with the whole with the whole thing, Spotify thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The N word all, all all over, right? Mm-hmm. So, the Rock, so Joe Rogan issued an apology. The Rock, being the you know the true centrist icon that he is, yep. said, "Oh yeah, like your apology was great." And some woman uh, on Twitter said something about like, you know, the Rock that it this ain't this ain't it this ain't it Rocky. Mm-hmm. He was he 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 bothered to like reply back to her. Oh no. Then someone in response was like, hey, yo, Rock, why don't I explain all this, like, transphobic stuff you said? And in the past, and this is like, uh, like 2006, mm-hmm. you know, 2000, but they're like multiple uh, clips of him saying stuff, right? So uh, his media team started, like, removing tweets Right. And yeah. started going into like panic and crisis mode. And then all of a sudden he realized and his team realized, OK, shit, if I'm having to remove tweets, I got to distance myself from Joe Rogan as quick as possible. I mean, just generally a good piece of life advice. Right. But as a centrist, what you have to do is you have to follow any moving trends. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the key. So he replies back. Out of the blue, to that woman, he dragged before him. Was like, you know what? 
I didn't think about this enough. You're right. Ugh. Like I my I am sorry, my apology. I did not take the time to understand. Sure. You know, like sure, Dwayne. The whatever. most PR of PR responses. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's basically like, you know, The Rock is too famous to get canceled. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and cancel culture is also uh, mostly fictitious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, The Rock can't get canceled because he's too famous. So he 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 just was sort of like, you know, I can blow this one off and, um, you know, just everyone will forget about this. But a lot of people were rightly pretty upset. Um, yeah. At The Rock. So that's so that's why I'm asking if Hobbs has any opinions on Jim Rogan. <laughs> I mean, in in the movies, he does play like a shitty DEA agent. So I'm going to guess he's pro Rogan um, just purely based on that piece of information right there. Yeah. But yeah, no, they're fun movies. And Wait, who's Shaw? Shaw is oh fucking uh, Jason Statham. Jason Statham. He shows up Damn. in the sixth movie, I believe. We haven't gotten to him yet. Um, do, we, do we like Shaw? I don't know. I don't know anything. I saw oh. Hobbs and Shaw when it came out in theaters, and I, I don't remember anything about that movie. <laughs> gotcha. I just, I, I used, you know, I've, I've watched a bunch of old Statham movies, and I like them. Like, they're fun. Yeah. Crank, Crank 2, Transporter, or whatever. I, I like him as an actor, I, so that's why I'm wondering. I like him more than I like The Rock. As a yeah, character. I don't know that I've ever seen a Statham movie. To be honest, you would enjoy Crank. Uh, yeah, it's super weird in that I've there's no big budget movie ever that I could think of that is shot like Crank is, hmm. and that's really something. Uh, the only other one is Crank Two, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> uh, and it's wild from start to finish. Uh, so, yeah, I think watch Crank. It's it's worth it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is the one where he he dies if his heart rate drops too low, right? Mm hmm. Uh, it's a speed, but for your heart. Um. Yeah. We, and I think we had a discussion about this early on in, our, in this podcast about I couldn't remember which one was the plot of Crank 1 versus Crank 2. <laughs> and then Crank 2 is the one. Uh, where he needs more electricity. Uh, yes. He has to keep electrocuting himself over and over. Absolutely. Oh, I'm very excited to watch those movies. I need to get around to that at some point. Um, but anyway, we should uh, we should get back to our should we our favorite yes, show, yes. Baywatch, um, <laughs> um, where. Like you were saying, uh, Stephanie is talking on the phone at headquarters to uh, the one, the only, our favorite um, captain who I'm now blanking on his name. Thorpe. Thorpe. Thank you. Um, I kept wanting to say Thorn, and I was like, that's too cool. I know it's not Thorn. Um, And saying that it was an accident and... Uh, you know, but thankfully Mitch is okay. And after she gets off the phone, Mitch is like, that was no accident. Wiley sabotaged me. And Stephanie's like, that's dumb. No, he didn't. Um, his, his, his logic is 
we've never had problems with the brakes before. So we right. can't have brakes anytime in the future, which is not how brakes work. No, not at all. Sometimes there are problems that haven't happened before. Um, right. Which is just kind of the nature of the thing. Mitch's other reasoning is that snake looked poisonous. And I'm yes. not sure how Mitch knows the difference between snakes. Is he a snake almanac? Well, well, and also, it doesn't look poisonous. Because no snakes are poisonous. <laughs> this, well, it's I mean, just a, it's a science fact. Th- it's that, a science fact with Morgan. However, um, Ekans and Arbuck are poison-type Pokemon, so there's... A counter. That's a valid point. I've been um, playing a lot of Pokemon one I had not considered. Arceus, so <laughs> Pokemon is on my mind right yeah. now. Um, but yeah, uh, after this, um, Wily stops by real quick to make sure that everything's okay and looks kind of sinister. Um, but then we're back at Mitch's house where Hobie is going to bed and he's like, Mitch... You should rest up. Don't worry about tucking me in. Um, and then Hobie's like, I think you should try and impress Kay more, because I want to impress Kay, because she's the only person you've dated who I could see calling mom. What about the teacher in the first season? You like right? her? Yeah, it feels like this is definitely not supported textually. Well, I mean, she's the one who's always been like, I, I like his closest female friend who I feel like other than Stephanie, I feel like could like exist in his life, but also whatever happened to dating Stephanie. (laughs) Right. Yeah. This, this show is, is very quick to dispose of love interests. Right. I think Kay is one they keep around because it's actually my wife, (laughs) my wife trademarked, Mm -hmm. uh, due to to, uh, a marriage contract. So I feel like they keep her around. Yeah, I mean Which, that. By the that way, makes sense. Pamela Bach. Uh, I'm. Uh, it's interesting. She's not a bad actress. No, she really uh, isn't. Uh, and I find that interesting. How much I enjoy her acting in this episode. It's very weird for me to like actually enjoy someone's acting, but I do. Yeah. No, she just feels. She feels more human than a lot of the characters on this show. <laughs> I mean, they're not human. They're lifeguards. Exactly. Um, but uh, after this, we see Mitch having a little sexy dream about Kay. Um, and then he has a dreamy music video montage set to, oh, like, oh, no. girl no. group pop. Yes. No. He has a dream about Kay. And, uh-oh. Sorry, I'm stealing your bit. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's actually Wiley making out with Kay. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. Uh-oh. Sorry. I just, like, I always wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just stealing a Flophouse bit, so. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> no, but tell us about this montage. Uh, I didn't write anything down about it. That's fair. Okay. So, Mitch is basically... And the beach, and he's all in blue. It's not like a Canadian tuxedo, but it's like half a Canadian tuxedo, which is just what it's called when you wear jeans. I don't know why I called it half a Canadian tuxedo. Um, I don't know who did the original, but my version is The Worst Mistake by Will J. Full name, William J. Bellendorf. And he was was part of a a boy band for eight years called I Am Five. 
Uh, not I am, but I am five. Sure. Uh, and they had Bella Thorne do a song with them that hit a few million views on YouTube. <laughs> but uh, I'd like to read to you something here. Sure. Uh, the I am five wiki has this to say about Will J. Um, <laughs> me, me, me. William Will J. Bellendorf is a former member of IM5. He announced his departure through a U.S. Cream appearance on December 16th, 2014. Sure. He made his final appearance in an IM5 video on December 17th, 2014, featuring in the best of 2014 mashup. Hi, Will J. My name is Debbie Rodriguez. I'm half Mexican, half white, and I was born in Shoshone called Idaho. I have five brothers, one sister, a baby nephew. His name is Antonio. We call we call a monkey. We moved to the Fed States, and we moved to Bellevue, Shoshone, Richfield. Getting Twin Falls, my dad was a police officer. But he got in trouble. My dad's in jail 14 years in prison. Hey, Will J., can you be my boyfriend? I don't have a boyfriend. Only 15 years old. I live in Twin Falls, Idaho. I live in apartment 6C. I miss IM5. You guys always make me laugh all the time because I've been watching you guys on YouTube. But I've been watching you guys on YouTube because I can't stop watching YouTube, and that's why you guys make me want to watch you all the time so i watch youtube all the time so i can't stop watching youtube and i can't stop watching youtube because my mom said watching youtube so i can't stop watching youtube so you can't make me so i what? like watching bts and stuff because my brother been watching youtube and stuff and told me to watch you guys and everything i've been watching you guys for a long time and i can't stop watching my birthday is coming up i'm going to turn 16 years old only 15 years old still my birthday is on april 3rd 2006 you guys could come i am five will jay invite your friends over to my birthday party like dana like cole like gabe like dalton you guys can come over to my birthday party please anytime Sure. (laughs) That's on on the wiki. It just appears sentence into hi, Will. I'm Debbie. (laughs) And I was like, nobody is looking at this Wikipedia except for me. (laughs) So nobody's bothering to edit this. That's Uh, amazing. I I live for those kinds of things. Oh, yeah. I live for them. Speaking of living, Morgan, could you please read... Uh, this song. Or sure. I would love to. Um. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't be the man you needed. And it haunts me. It haunts me. I had no way to stop the bleeding. Nothing that I could have done Cause my best wasn't enough My best wasn't enough Nowhere left for me to run The damage has been done The damage has been done My worst mistake My worst mistake My worst mistake My worst mistake was Losing you I'm so sorry You still haunt me I'm so sorry You still haunt me I'm so sorry. Wow. Wow. That was uh, honestly a spiritually moving performance. Thank you. I appreciate it. I think I covered spirituality and like uh, the bad kind. It was a it was a spiritually moving performance to give. Wow. And that is because I have named my vocal cords spirituality. Oh, which one's spirit and which one's duality? <laughs> um, but yeah, let's see. After uh, after this little montage, uh, Mitch and Kay are walking on the beach talking about Wiley. 
and Mitch still doesn't like him. Um, but then Matt comes by in, in a lifeguard truck to well, tell well, Matt. First we should say that mm-hmm. Kay has revealed that she hasn't gotten to know Wiley at all, even though she's talking to him all the time. Oh, that's true. Every, t- every time she asks him a personal question, it goes into a story. So uh, she's not... She she's really trying to write this story about him and has nothing. Yeah, it's true. What whatever sh- will she do? Um, Lie. It, yeah, pretty much. Um, what is it with women these days <laughs> ruining the lives of successful men? Uh, Am I, I right, Morgan? <laughs> it's truly, truly just uh, unfair. Yeah, um, men have it so much harder <laughs> because they, people have to tell stories. No one tells stories about women. Only men get stories told about them, and they deserve to be. Accurate. It's true. I uh, I watched Joker today, and that is certainly the message I walked away with. I'm um, the Joker, baby. <laughs> God, what a fucking terrible movie. Um you you know what I'm quoting, right? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, good. Okay, um, good. I was like, "How have you been on the internet and not yes. and in Discord, especially?" I'm the Joker, not- baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, that was almost Australian. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. Um, but yes, the Joker is a bad movie, and and I hated really? it. Um, well, why is it bad? I, I I didn't see it. Why is it bad? Um, well, for one thing. Um, it tries to be very much about how, you know, the system fails mentally ill people, which is definitely true. Mm-hmm. The problem is that when the example you use of that is literally the Joker, <laughs> it kind of undercuts your message a little bit. Um, we are like, look, mentally ill people aren't bad. They're just being undercut by the system and you know, funding's being cut, and so they're having to go off their meds. Um, but also, it's the Joker, and he murders a lot of people. Um, so it's hard to have a whole lot of sympathy for him. Um, also, a lot of the examples are basically just like, isn't it bad that I'm not immediately successful at things I'm bad at? This means society is out to get me. Um, very, very crypto. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, I was reading some articles about it afterwards, and, like, there's a whole section in it where where the Joker is like, nothing I'm doing is political, and there is no politics to anything I do, which very much felt like just, like, shitty alt-right dudes being like, why are the movies so political these days? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, in multiple times in the movie, they exactly mirror very racialized acts of violence that happened in New York City in the 70s and 80s, which is when this movie takes place, but with the Joker being the person who did it all along um, and just, like, completely erasing any actual discussion of race around it. Um, and it it was very bad and terrible, and I didn't like watching it. And also, it's just boring. Like, okay. <laughs> it's just, like, even if you put all of that aside, it's not even that interesting of a movie. Um, well, but definitely not going to see it. Oh, no, don't. It's not worth it. Um, you know what you should do instead? What? Is you should get that uh, that Batman pizza. Oh, God. 
<laughs> I know a few people who got in it, and it's it's. I think it's from Little Caesars. Yes, I believe that is correct. Which I I cannot stand Little Caesars. Uh, I've only had it once, and it's uh, technically pizza. It's one step above like a high school lunchroom, you know, or middle yeah. school or something, or just like a school bought pizza. But they, it was actually that they bought it from like a catering company, not from a pizza place mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and but some people are saying that half of it is good and that that half is the crust, which never <laughs> inspires confidence. <laughs> yeah, I don't, actually, I know uh, recent semi-recent guest of ours, uh, John Brents, just posted today that they bought it and uh, did not seem to enjoy their experience <laughs> eating the Batman pizza. Yeah, I could have told you ahead of time. Apparently it's a calzone. Oh, well, okay. I guess, I guess it, it's a calzone with pepperoni on top. Huh? It's a pizza. Really? You know, I mean, I I don't, I I don't know. (laughs) We've talked before. I'm not Italian enough. This is fair. This is fair. So how would, how would I know the difference between a calzone and and a pizza? (laughs) You know, I was supposed to know. That's fair. I'm not a veto. (laughs) <laughs> I don't eat all, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Um, also, the new Batman movie is almost three hours, and it's going to be Yeah, really I heard bad. about that. Like, who has time for this? I agree. I also well, I, just... I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. I don't want more Batman. Give me literally anything else at this point. But Batman... I think I've, have I mentioned this before to you, Batman's like maybe my least favorite superhero. He's not that interesting. I can't relate to him. Yeah. How are you supposed to relate to someone who's like so rich that when his parents died, his response was, I'm just going to continue to become richer and then use all my money to st- start being a vigilante if my parents died what i would have to do is figure out a way to be like man i have to like take on all their debt and Mm -hmm. like pay off their bills and that might be a struggle yeah you know how am i supposed to relate to this person who also like has severe anger problems Mm -hmm. doesn't deal with them has severe like problems with women doesn't deal with them has a revolving gallery of rogues who all hate him and want to kill him just for his very... Actually, that part I can appreciate. Um, (laughs) But, like, he's not relatable. Like, The Flash is more relatable. The Flash is just, like, it's a random dude. Nobody fucking cares who he is or knows who he is. And he runs fast. And sometimes he he struggles with running fast. That's relatable. And also he has to eat a lot because he burns a lot of calories from running so fast. I love that. That sounds amazing. It's good. Uh, But the the Batman? Nah, Superman's more relatable than Batman. Superman sucks. Yeah. I mean, most DC superheroes kind of suck. Uh, Though my favorite... DC, my favorite superhero is a DC superhero. So, I mean, that aside, a lot of the D- DC superheroes kind of suck. Yeah. Now, I've been I've been watching the DCEU, and yeah, well, I mean... Hey, why would you do that, dude? I, so, I've been... One of my favorite podcasts these days is a podcast called Blank Check. Um, I've and heard it's, of it. It's very good. Uh, but I've been going through every single movie that they ever covered and watching all of them. Um, okay. 
which is, I believe, 411 at this point, something like that. Um, I, I mean, look, I, I know people doing every day a year challenges this year, so that's nothing. Yeah, yeah I guess. I mean, I'm at 188 of their 411 movies, and... When did you start? Um, so I... Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I started in December, and I was at, uh, I think, like, 60 when I started. Um, I So far this year, I've watched 126 movies. Um wow. Uh, which brings me to 188.4 hours uh, for the year wow. of movies. Um, it's like another job. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's rapidly approaching that. Um, but uh, the nice thing is, uh, here's here's a secret. Um, when, when you work at tech, sometimes you land at a job um, where you don't have to do a lot, and so you have a lot of time during the day to watch movies. Um, and it's been very nice. I um, have uh, to add to that very quickly. Mm-hmm. I have a friend of mine who works in tech who uh, also works in, in well, adjacent to software development. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not full, but like uh, somewhere in like more in the QA kind of sure, area. sure, yeah. And uh, he critiques uh, some other people in our friend group in uh, our like time the, the amount of time we work in a day mm-hmm. how much is like required of us and i'm like yo we don't all have the like that job in tech you know where we can like you just you know not do anything and watch a movie some yeah. of us have stuff where it's like our job we kind of use the whole day to do it yeah um and your opinions are very biased towards that mm-hmm. and i'm just gonna leave it at that because i'm very salty that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, go on. So you you've had time to watch these movies during the day too. Yes. Yeah. Um, it also doesn't hurt that my partner Sparkle is uh, as big, if not in fact, is significantly bigger of a movie nerd than I am. So yeah. a, a lot of the time that we spend together is us catching up on various movie lists. Um, so uh, are all of the the blank ch- the movies on blank check? Do they all are they all good? Are they all bad? Are they what? No. uh, So the way they do it is they pick a director who has made a blank check movie, like a movie where the studio just handed them a blank check. Um, And so they cover that director's entire filmography. Oh, they don't just cover the blank check movie. They cover the entire filmography. Exactly. Um, Oh, wow. I think they've done like 35 directors now. Wow. Uh, it's been running since 2016, I believe. Yeah, I know it's been on for a, w- a little while. It's it's very good. Uh, so, I I really enjoy it. As far as the DC movies, uh, what what's the worst? What's the best so far? Uh, let's see. So so far, I've seen Man of Steel, uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Justice Sounds League. Bad. And David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Um, Suicide Squad, I imagine, is very bad. It is. It is very bad. Um, Justice League is also very bad. I only say that it's very bad from having watched the Folding Ideas video on on it. I I gave both Justice League and Suicide Squad one star. Um, Oh, wow. Yes. Um, Yeah, wow. They're not great. Um, I think 
honestly, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice might be the best of them so far. Are you going to consider a part of that uh, the uh, the better Batman, like the you know the uh, the Nolan Batman's? No, no, that was pre DCEU. Gotcha. I don't repeat this to anyone or put it in a place <laughs> where people could listen to this. Mm-hmm. I I don't think those movies are as good as everyone says they are. Oh, I completely agree. Okay, I mean they're good. <laughs> For a superhero movie. And, you know, they're, they're, they got decent acting. But, like, if I compare that to other movies that came out even around that time, there's better. I, yeah. You know. I, in general, feel like Nolan is fairly overrated yeah, as a director. Would, you know, I recently uh, just saw, like, a, a sit-down thought experiment about everything I remember about my feelings on Inception. Mm-hmm. And thinking... Man, Inception is just like the uh, it, it, it's it's so basic in terms of like liking that movie. It's not really that great. Like it's yeah. cool looking and interesting, I guess. But in the same way that you know, like reading a complex Wikipedia article about or <laughs> you've never heard of is you know yeah uh, my it, it's yeah. The other problem is that Christopher Nolan, as far as I can tell, I don't know if it's accurate to say that he hates women, um, but he, he certainly doesn't think about women very much. Um, and he, all of his female characters purely exist to serve the male protagonists. Well, maybe Elliot Page's character in uh, Inception might be... Yeah, he's the closest to mattering, but even still he gets sidelined. For most of the movie. (laughs) Trying to even think what his role, like, okay, so his role was, was it waking people up? I think so. I genuinely can't remember. Like, yeah, the movie's, like, absolute bullshit. So, like, what, whatever. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, like, Nolan's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, quick side point. Sure. Whatever. We're on a tangent. Yeah, whatever. Who gives a shit? Um. Because I brought the Folding Ideas Suicide Squad video. Did you watch the Folding Ideas NFT video? Yes, I did. So, uh, he's been still getting responses to it uh, that are very funny. Mm-hmm. And he's been, like, sort of, like, tweeting every day. Because uh, people are like, hey, I watched the first five minutes of your video. And I didn't bother <laughs> watching the rest of it. And he's like, what? <laughs> Why yeah. would you tweet this to someone? I made It's a two-hour video. <laughs> Why would you do this? Uh, right. Like, and, obviously, uh, the rest of the video is relevant context here. Well, he doesn't even talk about NFTs, really, until, like, minute 45. Or, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's actually, it's, I mean, look, my thing is long-form YouTube videos. Oh, I, yeah. You know, I watch, you know, two-hour full NDS NFT video. I watch two parts of five-hour videos about iCarly. Uh, sure. You know, uh, which... You should watch the Quinn Reviews iCarly videos if you haven't. Um, you know, I watched a nine-hour fucking Cyberpunk 2077 review, which is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. Um, <laughs> um, and that makes it easier, I would think, for me to watch Baywatch. But I honestly had a hard time writing about this episode. Maybe yeah. Maybe it's because it was a season finale. Maybe because this episode wasn't so interesting. Maybe it's because we... Uh, is a secret secret here uh, inside baseball we uh, we took a few weeks break mm-hmm. uh, between recording 
the last episode we recorded and this one. So it was like getting back into the groove of uh, making episode notes. But there's just something about this episode where I thought I would, well, spoilers, I thought I would like it a little bit more. Yeah. Did, can, you know. Uh, I mean, we're not done with this episode, but it's, it was a little bit rough writing some notes for this. No, it definitely was. But yeah, speaking of the episode, let's uh, let's get back to it because we are almost done. Oh, well, we've got like the last third. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, Mitch and Kay are, are walking on the beach talking about Wiley and how Kay can't ever get a straight answer out of him uh, when Matt comes by in a lifeguard truck to tell Mitch that there was a pinhole puncture in the brake line. It could have been a nail, or it could have been sabotage. What um, the? F- yeah. Okay. Did you pause the episode and just like get as confused as I am? Because <laughs> like we won't know until the results are back from the crime lab. And I'm like, what is the crime lab going to tell you? Like, Excellent it was, question. It was deliberately that someone did this, or accidentally deliberate, or it was so accidental that it looked deliberate, so deliberate that it looked accidental. What are they going to tell you? How would you know if it was deliberate? Yeah. I. I the only thing I can imagine is that this crime lab has some sort of, like, you know, like, precog-style power where they're able to just, like, see into the past and see if it was crime. Yeah, I, I mean, what is this, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? What is this fucking <laughs> shit? Well, I, I don't think the crime lab works the yeah. way that they think it does. And it's very, like, criminal mindsy here. Yeah. Like, man, crime lab, smartest people on the fucking planet. Yeah, they it's... They can find out anything. It's and Zoom and Enhance, but for time. It's Zoom and Enhance, but for times and breaks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but only for lifeguards. Mm-hmm. Um, but after this, uh, Kay's back in the headquarters and she got Wiley's personnel file faxed over because he gave her so many stories and she couldn't believe all of them. Um, and then Mitch is climbing up to Wiley's tower, but Wiley was waiting for Mitch and ambushes him and knocks him out. Yeah. Why is he waiting? How would he know? I have no idea. It doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. Also, during this scene, they just play didgeridoos in the background. Yes. It's just so <laughs> it's dumb. Um, but we, we learn at this point, Sheila Gold, well, it turns out she never changed her last name because she was actually even more related to the plot than we thought. She was Wiley's wife. And so he's I- taking revenge on Mitch for this. In my notes, I was writing this as I was watching it, and I wrote, it's it's the same Jew. <laughs> but yeah, it's also funny. So Stephanie in this scene is like realizing that, you know, oh, I think something's going on here, specifically when Kay says the name of the beach, which yeah. is Hondai Beach, which is an extremely popular beach in Australia. Yes. So it's funny that she would be like, what? That place? I'm like, babe, everybody goes to that place. Right. Like, uh, But then it's like, windsurfing accident? Okay. She looked, okay. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. But like, 
Yeah, obviously they weren't going to just, like, I don't think any show would just introduce Sheila Gold and then be like, you don't need to remember her, we just gave you that nugget. Right. Especially because they say her name, like, two or three times before this point. It's a Chekhov's boomerang. (laughs) It comes back. It comes back in Act 3. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's actually, honestly, Chekhov's boomerang, it comes back in Act 3 is a very good tweet. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we'll make it. (laughs) But after this, uh, we see that Wiley has tied up Mitch and he is spreading gasoline around and monologuing. And Stephanie and Kay are calling the tower and calling Mitch's truck. But uh, Mitch isn't answering because he is a little tied up right now. Ooh, Um, good joke. (laughs) And Wiley's like, Mitch, if you had just followed procedure and used my wife as a shield, Sheila would be alive still. Um, And there's an extended gag where Mitch is trying to talk through the duct tape and Wiley can't understand him. So he asks him to repeat himself and then eventually just goes, never mind, and uh, just leaves. Uh, So he Wiley lights a cigar and uses that to start the fire and Mitch is uh, being pulled down into a burning ring of fire. Um, Mood. Yeah. Um, but then we see that Wiley is escaping on a jet ski, and the other lifeguards are inbound on a scarab. Um, and at this point, Mitch manages to break all of his bonds, and the order in which he does it is he uses his hands to free his mouth, which then means that he can break the restraints around his wrists, And then can untie his feet. And I just didn't understand why his mouth being covered prevented him from breaking the restraints around his wrist. It's very uh, Neil Breen logic. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But he, you know, then jumps out of the flaming lifeguard tower into the water. Which is a very dumb and stupid (laughs) yet cool and awesome shot. Mm hmm. Because he's, like, still on fire when he drops... Like, the wall is the most breakable breakaway set you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And so he's jumping through it. And it's cool that, like, he he goes through it and then makes it into the water while on fire. But you're also like, this is... It's also so dumb. He wasn't on fire before he jumped through the wall. And admittedly, I'm not, you know, that familiar with fire. A fire expert. You're not um, a, a pyro. I'm not. A, I'm not a fireman, if you will. Um, mm. But I feel like his jacket ca- caught on fire way too fast. Is his jacket yeah. made of newspaper? That's my <laughs> theory here. I think his jacket is made of fire because it's red. Mm. You know, sometimes sometimes Makes sense. things that are the same color, they kind of forget what they are and they just change their state. It's true. It's true. It's you, the yeah. the number one rule of filmmaking is that any red object, the audience is supposed to be thinking, "Uh oh, I know that that's actually fire." Well, that's why when you look at red, you know you're supposed to feel very you know aggressive. But when you look at blue. You're like very calm because you look at the water and you think riptides and you think Jill getting eaten by a shark. (laughs) You're supposed to think, wow, blue, drowning. Yeah. Or or in Baywatch's case, sometimes the water is green and then you also think Mm. drowning. Honestly, you could drown in any (laughs) color water. That's true. (laughs) Um. But luckily, the lifeguards uh, rescue Mitch, and they're like, you've been badly burned. We should go to a hospital. And Mitch is like, nah, 
I'm going to get a new jacket, which means all my burns are healed. So it's time to chase Wiley. Um, and then then we get the the Chekhov's boomerang of lassos, which is that Mitch lassos Wiley off of a jet ski. This um, was extremely and slowly dumb, pulls right? him into the boat. Yes. Wiley could have just turned right. Right. Mm-hmm. And he would have avoided this. So, you know, he because he's just driving straight and he turns around and he sees, oh, no, there's Mitch. Right. And he could have just been like. It's going to take a, a right turn, and then they can't catch me. Also, he had, like, a huge head start. But besides that point, yeah. like, he could just turn, just, I don't know, just turn, man. Yeah. It was it was very dumb. And he's, like, sort of half-fighting Mitch the entire time Mitch is dragging him into the boat. But, but then it doesn't matter, because the last scene of this episode is that Mitch and Kay are relaxing by the fire in Mitch's house, and... Just doing a little foreplay and making out and pinching each other. It's pretty aggressive. Which it is okay. pretty aggressive. <laughs> it's okay because they're because they're married. It's true. You know, it's actually. true. So it's like it doesn't it, doesn't it, violate the Hayes Code. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the episode. Uh, Before we get into ratings, I wanted to say a few things here. One. Uh, there are, the INDB page for this episode is filled with goofs. There is one, two, really? three, four, five, six, seven, eight goofs listed. Do you wow. want to know the goofs? Yeah, give me a, give me a selection of those good, good goofs. When the woman is asking for Mitch's help rescuing her dog, she says several lines, but her mouth doesn't move. <laughs> is this interesting? Share this. Mitch is completely dry after returning the water while trying to rescue the dog. Is this interesting? Share this. <laughs> when Mitch jumps out the flaming tower, his entire backside is on fire. It then cuts to a closer shot and only the back of his shoulders are on fire. Is this interesting? Share this. <laughs> uh, just before Mitch's truck goes off the cliff, brown ruts are visible in the grass from previous takes. Oh, that's funny. When the Baywatch truck is shown going off the cliff, the vehicle that goes over the hill is obviously a different truck used for the stunt. The actual Baywatch truck is an early 90s Toyota extended cab pickup. While the truck that went over the hill and noticeably had the engine and drive shaft removed is a late 70s Toyota regular cab pickup. Mm. Is this interesting? Share this. <laughs> uh, and uh, let's also talk about some uh, some IMDb reviews here. Um uh, Bombers Fly Up says it, the show had Shang Tsung, now Kano. Christopher Lambert makes an appearance, or does Christopher does Christopher Lambert make an appearance? Or Bridget Wilson worked out this mystery in about two seconds. Both he and uh, Hiroyuki Tagawa's character wanting revenge, similar to X Files. Okay, um, sure. Sandcrab seven two two gives it a one star. Says, and I'm just again, I just quote what he says. All riled up by queer Aussie in a towel, boring thriller, explosions, snakes, lassos, membivalent, biuk, goofy ep. Sure. Okay. And then Wild Bill Horn gives Ooh. it a three out of ten and says, This script makes no sense. Roses, <laughs> candles, romantic dinner, but they're just friends? The worst way to pull a dog out of the ocean is with a noose around his neck. I so agree with thought, that. Nobody thought any of this through. I suppose it doesn't matter. The fans <laughs> support the Hoff and love seeing him overcome evil. 
Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, clearly, uh, they, they, they had some thoughts about mm-hmm. it. Um, but, Morgan, let's do our, our last rating of season three. I know. Now, on a scale of one to ten, where one is discovering that love is dead, and ten is discovering that you have a gold prospecting boarding and her uncle who left you a gold boot in his will. Morgan, how would you rate this episode? I well, first, I just want to say that I'll I'll miss this rating scale uh, going into next season. It's our final time using this rating scale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, overall, this episode was fine. It was kind of forgettable. Um, Wiley, I wanted Wiley to be much bigger or much more sinister or, he was or something. Yeah, he just. He just felt a little boring. You know, the the Mitch and Kay thing is, I, you know, I think they have chemistry and they make a good couple, which makes sense because, you know, they're married in real life at this point, um, which is not always the case for celebrity acting couples. Um, but in this case, it works. And I'm glad to see her back. I hope we see more of her next season. I think overall, this one is a pretty solid five for me. Um Pretty middle of the pack. No, not terrible, but nothing nothing really super grabbed me. Um, and I am going to say that a five is the experience of um, being a dog who almost drowns, but then you get rescued via a lasso, which kind of hurts and does make you scared of rope, which used to be your favorite toy. But you know what? You're alive and you did get a lot of pets and attention and love. So, you know, it kind of balances out a little bit. Um, Michael, how about you? Um, I'm thinking about a five or as well. I mean, this episode was just it wasn't as good as I thought. It was. I was like, oh, man, this Trevor Goddard seems interesting. But yeah, as he said, he didn't really do much. Uh, it wasn't as interesting as I thought it would be. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess it's pretty average, which honestly, I don't mind. A pretty average episode of Baywatch, that's fine. I'm just glad. Again, we're so traumatized by season two, which is actively horrid television. Mm -hmm. That anything average is, you know, fine. Um, Yeah, I can live with average. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And,. I'm going to say a five is the experience of I've had in the last few weeks. A lot of people reach out to me about random Baywatch stuff and be like, you're the Baywatch guy. And <laughs> being known as the Baywatch guy is, um, you know, uh, not what I had on my uh, <laughs> resume, what I thought I would have on my resume. Yeah. Uh, I think I posted on Twitter recently. I got a book called uh, Baywatch uh, Girls like Girls Night Out or, or something like that mm-hmm. uh, from a friend, which is honestly, it's just all of our least favorite storylines from season three oh. into a book. It has um, Stephanie and and CJ getting an apartment. Mm-hmm. It has uh, the one where they uh, meet the Coast Guards, right? Right, right. And it has Hobie and Mitch Trying to find a housemaid. Oh, and that's like just like 30 pages in. And I'm like, oh, God, what else am I going to get in here? Yeah. Um, And it's a lot of like CJ 
there's just like one part where like CJ is like, man, I really want to fuck this dude. And <laughs> Stephanie says, I'm just going to be an absolute dick to you because I'm unhappy that uh, you're living in the same apartment as me. So like CJ puts something outside the door and doesn't recognize it. And then the guy is like, uh, you're too weird. I ain't going to sleep with you. Uh, what and, the fuck? Uh, yeah, see, CJ gets mad at Stephanie and is like, I could have gotten laid, bro. Uh, yeah. What are you doing? And Stephanie then later goes, maybe that was a bad idea. Actually, fuck this. I'm right. And I, <laughs> I that doesn't seem like really like Stephanie that much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She seems a little bit conniving, but she doesn't seem like actively rude. Um, and also, and like, I'm going to say, obviously, totally fine to have standards. If if I was about to sleep with Pamela Anderson in the 90s and there was some slightly weird stuff in her house, I think I'd be okay. Yeah. No, it was more just like, oh, wait, you have a roommate who's a little bit weird. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's... Yeah. Eh. Yeah, and, and then, so then they move into focusing about like, oh, man, CJ, she's like too into this hippy-dippy shit, which, mm-hmm. yeah, I think CJ's into some hippy-dippy shit. Um and uh, and Stephanie is too much into like fries and s- steak, you know, <laughs> or like whatever. And it's like, man, how will they coexist? Mm-hmm. The odds are against them. They're so a real it's, it's, odd couple. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's really basic, and the the font size is like sixteen or eighteen. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, real real padding out a college essay at the last second vibes. I mean, I was watching. Uh, have you seen the episode Nathan for you about the movement? The movement? No, I have not. Oh, okay. So the movement is he he meets this guy who runs a moving company, and he thinks, hmm, how could I get you more business? Uh, and he says, what if we make it so that we uh, market moving as an exercise program so that ah. people don't need a gym membership? So he hires this guy he found at a bodybuilder convention to claim, I'm jacked and I'm only jacked from moving stuff and I've never been to the gym, ever. So huh. he he gets a guy on, on uh, Craigslist to ghostwrite it, uh, ghostwrite a book. And um, the the ghostwriter's like, oh, what did he do as a kid? Uh, I don't know. So you're going to have to make shit up. And he's like, okay, great. <laughs> so he, go, he makes up that, one, that he was childhood friends with Steve Jobs. And two, that he sponsored, and I quote, jungle children. Um, which, what? I don't know what that means. Yeah, uh, and I don't love so it, they, though. No, it, it basically just means that he, he sponsored kids who got lost in the jungle. Oh. Like fucking Tarzan. That's what, what the it fuck? means. <laughs> so, he, so he's like, so Nathan gives him this book. He's like, hey, you're going to be on uh, daytime TV tomorrow. You should probably read this book. I don't know what jungle children are, but you probably got to figure that out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he goes on like Good Morning America. And they're like, I hear you sponsored jungle children. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're really passionate about kids who just like got raised by baboons. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I hear you met Steve Jobs, childhood friends of Steve Jobs. Yeah, I met him when he was starting Microsoft. <laughs> oh, my God. So so then they're like, he's still like lifting stuff. And then uh, Nathan is like, well, I got you this uh, like small uh, uh, like 
room, not room, but like storage space. I'm going to put all this exercise equipment in there and you can only work out in this storage space that I then am going to close the door to. And he finds him out at the gym and he's like, you're ruining everything. So the whole idea (laughs) goes awry. Turns out two or no, turns out like early 2019, Amazon made a, a whole marketing program that was exactly that of, hey, moving is just like exercising. So maybe we, you should pay, or we could like um, get you to like move stuff for free, for free labor to like get exercise. And Nathan Fielder was like, wow, shows what a great idea is when big corporations are deciding to steal the ideas from my TV show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like just clearly evil shit yeah. that Amazon is doing. Um, but also, it's, it's not the first time they stole one of his ideas. They also stole an idea where you could hire fake actors at a funeral if nobody liked you. Oh, my um, God. Which is an insanely good idea. Yeah. Um, and a few other ideas. But anyways, um, that's beside the point. Uh, this episode was pretty average. And uh, I also am sad that we're retiring this rating scale. But, hey, mm-hmm. we'll see what the next one is. Um, but let's talk about... Season four, episode one. Yeah. Race Against Time, part one. Um, And the Baywatch wiki says a dramatic ocean plane crash underscores a series of personal crises against the Baywatch lifeguards. Wow. All right. Um, Now, for the IMDb description, there's two descriptions. There's Anonymous and KGF Vissers. Which Mm. one would you like? I, I say, you know... We got to go with the one where someone's willing to put their name behind it. All right. Hobie is delighted by a visit from his mother, Gail, mm. and the fiance she brings along unannounced. Oh. Uh, to Mitch's horror, perfect businessman Ken Jordan is also supposed to become the kid's stepfather with full custody instead oh. of the devoted dad who can't match the shining future. And Hobie seems willing to trade in the beach for a cool new life. Oh. Wow. Matt wrestles with the tough choice posed by his father's dilemma, returning to France with his parents or being disinherited penniless, getting a foretaste as he crashes for now with colleagues. Hobie and Matt help workaholic Wade Peterson realize that neglecting his preteen son, Jared, can have even worse consequences than a cry for help by simulating drowning. What the fuck? Yeah, wait, Uh, what? Ken's plane takes Mitch's ex and his son back to the Midwest for a marriage and future together, but crashes into the ocean. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sure to be wild. Uh, I'm excited for season four. Uh, you know, Same. it sounds like season four is the most popular season in terms of high oh. viewership, viewership, not favorite episodes. I don't, I don't yeah. know if anybody likes this show. Uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But we're excited. We have exciting new guests, mm-hmm. uh, exciting old guests, uh, some guests maybe we'll have on who I haven't figured out yet that hopefully we can get on and I just need to hustle my ass. Uh, you know, we'll figure out out what happens. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's going to be good. Whatever it ends up being. 
I'm very excited, especially because the sooner we finish this season, the faster we get to race this Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I am very excited to take a big fat dump on Hulk Hogan, uh, literally and figuratively. Absolutely. Well, unless you've got any uh, final thoughts oh. on season three of Baywatch, I think the only thing that's left to say is. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Ricky School and really this season say, of Baywatch. Did you just Ricky say School. Baywatch Ricky School? I may like, have. Like, I, was, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, there's just a dude named Ricky and there's like, oh, man, why am I at Baywatch? Oh, that would be fantastic. I should, that should that. be our our script that we're going to write, uh, write for Baywatch is just the episode about Ricky. And it's, we'll, we'll have to watch the movie Ricky O first. Ooh. I've never seen it. But I haven't like, either. I know it's a apparently very popular martial arts movie, but we'll make the Ricky O version of Baywatch. Sounds good to me. Um, but if you want to find us on Twitter and, you know, keep up to date on the status of our script, our show handle <laughs> is at Rookie School Pod. I am at Morgan P. Thrap. I am at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. We'll see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips, and fingertips. Huzzah. <laughs>